where people drive past. We've had people come from the business area that drive past this in the industrial region here. They've popped in and out. He came again last week with his son. And can I tell you, that doesn't happen by coincidence. That happens because God planted us here. You know, eventually when we get our other big signage out and things like that, people that are going into the service station will see Arise Church. We're going to petition for, you know, sign to be put out on Main Road, things like that as we start to reach out into the community. But the thing is, is that God has us here for a reason. So why do we need church buildings? In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. And thank you for my team up the back there today. Thanks, Nay. Said this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know, the good news of Jesus brings help and hope to the poor. That's what we do here. If we didn't have a home, we wouldn't have a food pantry. We're two days a week. We see people come from we all over Adelaide sometimes looking for help for food. But, you know, they st- I still see the girls, the ladies, I mean, talking to the people that come in because they're also looking for a friend. But the thing is, the good news of Jesus brings help and hope to the poor, the suffering, the grieving and the oppressed. You know, there's one man that has been coming and we give hampers to every year and he's coming closer and closer to Jesus I believe um, for at least 12 years him and his son and uh, in fact his son came into kids church one day and and all of those sorts of things and I believe that God has his name and his son's name written in the book of life and if we didn't have this building we would not have that point of access another point of access for us is now our play group I encourage you, our playgroup is growing. It's amazing to see what both Catherine and Jacinta are doing as they, and even Rosie as they sow into those young women and sometimes husbands that come in with their kids. It is a lighthouse. And I can't believe how the Lord is breathing upon it. Well, I can, but it's astounding. You know, I think about youth. I think of how that's growing, how kids are coming from, from everywhere. I believe that even in the Seaford Primer or even Hallett Cove, uh, Seaford High, whatever it's going to be, um, I just truly believe we're going to see more and more kids come to Prodigy Youth, but also and believing for souls to be, you know, come to Christ and for massive baptisms to happen and for whole families to be changed in that moment. You know, there's so many stories, even when I was a youth leader for many years, um, where a whole families would come after one child came to Christ. You know, I met someone yesterday, and you don't realise the seed you sow. We used to go in as a team into Wirreanda High School, and we used to do programs in there, probably a lunchtime program, a breakfast program, and eventually, after three years, they allowed me to open up their very first Christian program, and I called it Raw Energy. In that first day of raw energy, I had 30 young youth come into there with a group of about four or five leaders. And out of that 30 young youth, 15 of them gave their heart to Jesus. The very first time. One of those gentlemen actually married uh, someone we all know well, but um, it, it, that's, you know, but they, they're married now. And I happened to see him and they happened to sit at a table right next to us, which is profound. 
and uh, he said, can I give you a big hug for old time's sake? Now, this is someone that I haven't really remembered, but they remember me and what I sowed into them. And he remembered me from old days in our old church, but he also remembered me. He said, I remember when you used to come into Wirreanda. And when I thought about him last night, he was one of those kids that gave his heart to the Lord. And he happened to be sitting next to me. And there, there were so many other tables there that were free, but we were number one and they were number two. It was the most astounding thing. If we didn't have buildings, if we didn't have a home, the sheep would be scattered. And it's so important that we have church buildings to gather the sheep together. When our spirituality, when our spiritual reality is transformed, there is also change in our physical reality. The good news that Jesus referred to, the gospel of the kingdom, promises salvation and transformation to the whole person. I'm sure that happened to you and it happened to me. And we are here to see lives transformed. Are we not? To see people who are bound up, who are unwell, who may be addicted, who, who are lost, who are homeless, who have you know, all those people to be bound up in the love and the grace of Christ. And to finally have a family and a place to call home. You know, historically, chapels and cathedrals, you know, Stephen and I, a few weeks ago for our 30th wedding anniversary, stayed at the Oval Hotel and we had the cathedral room. So literally you could see the cathedral. It's beautiful, beautiful building. And on the Sunday morning, very early, I said to Stephen, we hadn't heard the bells. But on the Sunday morning, it must have been communion service, would have been about 7.30, the bells started going. So I was still in snoozy land then. But then when I opened the curtains up for the 10 o'clock service, those bells rang out in a way that I saw people being drawn into it. Do you know what I mean? Like when the bells, you know, in the country town, when they used to ring out, the people in the, in the town would all go, oh, quick, it's church time, we've got to go to church. And the Lord said to me, how are you ringing your bell? What are you doing to ring your bell into your community? So when the time comes, the people come. So that's another challenge for me. I'm still working that one out, but I wanted to share that with you. But, and the beautiful buildings, beautiful. And, and some of them are, are totally empty. So historically, chapels and cathedrals have played a central role in the cities and towns alike. The architects of these sacred spaces where theologians as much as decorators and designers have been a part of it. Sanctuaries were designed to offer a place of safety. You know, people would go into them. You know, they'd open up their doors so people go in and pray in silence during the week. You know what I mean? And just go in and spend time in these places, demonstrating God's embrace and protection. Churches also provided practical help and support to people in their local community. So let's fast forward to 2023 and the role of the modern churches in our society today. We live in an age experiencing a crisis of disconnection. After COVID, it's actually got even worse. People are actually getting anxiety over having to be around other people now. Fear of relationship, fear of connectedness, fear of coming together. Some of the greatest needs in our society are isolation, loneliness and polarisation. It's huge. Churches play a significant role in helping bring diverse groups of people together and also provide practical care and support services for people in need. 
for some people, church family is the only church family, uh, the only family, I should say, they ever have. So for some people, church family is the only family they've got. Church buildings facilitate the work of the good news of Jesus in our community. And I know we did it for many years in that little office down there. Uh, and they've, they've still got the old signs out. They still haven't taken them down. I'm just a bit overwhelmed by all of that. But it's still a representation of the, of the inheritance and the seed that we've planted into that community. In fact, do some of you remember who were there in the past? Um, his name was John DeFabio. And so um, John had a big mo. You know, big guy, big mo. He comes to some of our carols in the piazza and things like that. A couple of weeks ago, I happened to be walking down through um, a colonnades through, and uh, he saw me. And he's a little Italian fella. He's probably about this big. And he got up and he pointed at me and he went, you. Like this at me and I'm like, hello. Hey, John. You know, how are you going? And he said, you need to come back. That's what he said to me. You know, his whole Italian family, the, the uh, Vassarellis, the Scarpatonis, the Petruccis, they've been down there in McLaren Vale for generation after generation of sowing vines and bringing fruit and making wine. And he said to me, you need to come back. And he said, and I need to introduce you to my granddaughters. And I went, okay. And the two girls sort of looked at me. He said, this woman, she needs to come back. And the girl's like, Okay. He said, we need you back. We need the heart of you back. We need what you gave into the community back. And I said, well, you can come to me. He's like, no, you need to come to me. <laughs> you know? But that's what we don't understand, the difference that it makes. But they, they facilitate the good news of Jesus in our community. Practical reasons to have our own churches facilitate. I have a slide for this today, and I'm just going to run through them quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, because God put this on me at last minute, my slides are poor, and I hope you can really read them. But I was in a hurry this morning, trust me, asked Stephen, like, it was my birthday, I couldn't even open my cards or my present. I'm like, no, nah, I've got to get this done, I'm not having a birthday right now, I've just, Lord, I've got to get this done. So number one, a permanent uh, commitment to the community. That's why we have a church facility. Hired facilities for weekends only, or even what we had, means the church can be transient and unreliable. When we were down in McLaren Vale, no one thought that we were going to be there for good because we couldn't get a facility down there to do it. But the Lord opened up another area and we're so close to McLaren Vale. It's about five, seven minutes down the road. Those connections are never going to stop. They're never going to discontinue. But the truth is, is that this is our house. This, this house has been changed from um, a title or a code of industrial area now to a place of worship. For generations to come, this will survive you and me. This space will survive us. But what we sow into it now, we are foundational people. How exciting is that? Permanent facilities communicate the greater com to the greater community that we are here to stay and play our part in contributing to the needs of others. A place to see people's lives saved, transformed, healed, to equip and release them. To then see that happen again. You know, this, this spot here isn't my only heart. I have, I have churches on my heart all over Australia, even internationally, if that's God's plan. But the truth is that this isn't the only space that God has for us to inhabit. God has planted a, a church planting heart in my heart. Okay, so number two, improving the common good of the greater community. 
We can serve our communities by having a place where programs and services are provided, like I've mentioned some of them today, and other groups can utilise our facilities. You know, our goal is to open this even for a parent counselling area. You know, I don't know. I'm open to whatever God has for us to do as a church. But one thing it will be is just not programs for the sake of programs. It's going to be things that will help transform our communities. This is a witness to the goodness of God. Some may say you can do this in a home, but a building and property is like a lighthouse for all to see and can house greater numbers and has a way more space. In the book of Matthew 5.16, it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The amount of times I'm sort of locking up the gate or doing something out the front, people slow down to read the sign out the front and have a look. You know, God is doing something and it's beyond humanity. It's supernatural and we need to be believing for that. Number three, inclusion and accessibility. No, dedicated spaces mean we can shape our facilities to meet specific needs of people, including teenagers, youth and young adults, families, children with additional needs, people with disabilities such as hearing and visually impaired. Creating common areas where relationships, connection and belonging can be fostered is such a high priority for us as a church. Number four, it's all about location, location, location. It really is. And God didn't plant us right in the middle of this industrial area where no one could ever see us. He planted us where near Seaford Road where people can see us and they will see us when our signage goes up. Having a location that is centrally accessible through various transport modes. We've got buses, trains, people come here to get food who catch a train, Rabina and Ruth have told me. Okay, so we're close to amenities, which was very different to McLaren Vale. It's like even though you're just five, seven minutes up the road, people say, oh, that's a really long, that's a country town down there. But, you know, and, and the, you didn't have those facilities as much. But we, and we also have access to, um, so enhances the opportunity to access church activities and support services as well. So church activities are easily um, accessible as well as support services for them. Consistency of location creates a presence in the community that can create avenues for connection. Continual presence builds trust and offers opportunities for impromptu connection, like we do with our food pantry. People just walking in, you know, oh, what is this, you know, for our, for our play group. Just impromptu connections like that are so important. Number five, for clarity. You know, disorientation is a primary reason for psychological discomfort and is a key reason for people negatively reflecting on an experience. I'll say that again. Disorientation is a primary reason for psychological discomfort and is a key reason for people negatively reflecting on an experience. Designing church as a sacred space, we are standing on holy ground, a sacred space where spiritual and human relationships are enabled and enhanced can create a more positive experience than the limitations of commercial or retail spaces or being in a hall where you set up and set down for 12 years. Number six, our hosts and hospitality. People do not get the love that they get in other places like they do in a church. What people encounter when they visit our church will leave them with an impression of what we value. If spaces are people-orientated, comfortable, 
meet their needs and foster community. Visitors are likely taking this away as a reflection of what we value. When the people who they see on the door as they walk in, how we love on them, how we feed them and water them is so important. Our teams do a fantastic job, by the way, of making the most of spaces we use. Even our kids' team, what they do for our parents and the kids is astounding. But there are always more opportunities to develop than this, especially when, you know, when we fit out that space through there. We just don't know. We don't know what God's going to do. Number seven is stewardship. Now, stewardship to me is a very important word in the Lord. It encompasses so many things, every aspect of our life. We are called to what? Be good stewards of everything. So stewardship to me is something I don't take lightly. It's the opportunity to use finances wisely and invest in capital products as opposed to rentals only, to, to put that spiritual stake in the ground and say, we've taken this land for the Lord. It's just such an important thing. And it is wise to financially be good stewards with our finance that is given. And we do that through a really good oversight team that does steward our finances and also through national office. And then, of course, through, um, uh, well, Acts Global Churches. Church spaces and habit uh, and um, Church spaces and habits shape our thinking, emotions, and ultimately actions. As a church that values discipleship, and we do, discipleship is one of our core values, really, intentionally around what our environments, practices, and communication is teaching us can help create healthier communities and strengthen spiritual formation. And I really do believe that. As we be good disciples and help to disciple others, as we minister the gospel, great things can happen within communities. So it brought me to thinking about God brought into my mind, you know, why did King Solomon build that temple? You know, for years and years and years, they never, there was, never was this grandiose temple, you know, where, where the Ark of the Covenant would be and so forth. But the, I mean, there's so much to say about this whole topic, so I'm just going to touch on it a bit today. So King Solomon's temple was the first temple built by the Israelites to honour the Lord. The Bible tells us. It also, it's also where the Israelite, Israelite people kept the Ark of the Covenant, holding the Ten Commandments, as we know. It was also a place where they could assemble and the Israelites could come together, could pray, you know, all those sorts of things. Also, the Lord promised to Solomon that if the people would live the laws associated with the temple, the Lord would dwell among them in his house. You see, the Lord is dwelling on this property, not just in this building. The Lord, there is a covering over this property of, of um, inheritance and promise and future and all of those sorts of things that we can't see in the natural, but the Lord dwells here. Oh, well, he definitely dwells here now because there is a Bible actually in our foundation. You'll see, see a bit of that in a minute. But in chapter 7, 1 in Kings, mentions that Solomon also built a house for himself that took 13 years to complete, while this particular temple only took seven years. And it was one of the grandest ever built. So how was this temple built? Let me tell you, it definitely was a joint effort. It didn't just fall out the sky like manna or quail. It took a lot of dedication. It took a lot of finance and it took a village, a whole Israelite village to do it. 
You know, in First Chronicles 29.1, talks about the offerings for the temple and it says this, And King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. You see, this, this property isn't here for us. It's to honour him and his presence in this community, in this region, and in this city. It's honouring him, and that's what we do when we stand in this space. It is holy ground. Then in 1 Chronicles 29, 2-5, it says, So with all my ability, I have provided. Now this is what David gave to help with the build of this temple, himself as king. So with all my ability, I provided for the house of my God, the gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, as well as onyx stones and stones to be inlaid, stones of antimony, a brittle silver white metal, and stones of various colours, and all kinds of precious stones, and alabaster in abundance. Moreover, because I delight in the house of my God, the personal treasure that I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God, in addition to all that I have already provided for the holy house namely 3,000 talents of gold from the gold of offer of fire and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings gold for the things of gold silver for things of silver that is for all the work to be done by craftsmen now who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord now David was saying this is how much I am giving as a king in the belief that this place is not a building for Solomon it is not a building for the Israelite people, but it is a building to honour God. In 1 Chronicles 29, 69, it then tells us what the people gave. Because the truth is it couldn't be done without everyone giving. So in 1 Chronicles 29, 69, it says, Then the rulers of the fathers, households and leaders of the tribes of Israel, and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, with the overseers of the king's work, Offering willingly and gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold and 10,000 talents of silver and 18,000 talents of bronze and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the, the, the ite. <laughs> The Jersonite, I think it is. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly for with a whole and blameless heart they had offered freely to the Lord. King David also rejoiced greatly. Can I tell you, we're about to watch a video. And the thing is, as I said to you before, we would not be, not a video, just a short clip. We would not be here today without your giving. What took place as this incredible in a minute you're going to see the incredible scenes you may have seen it on our opening day but you may have never seen it but the truth is without the giving of the Lord the giving of Acts Global Churches the giving of of people like you and me the giving of, and the prayer of those the amount of prayer that's gone into this space is also a part of giving is astounding so I just want you to quickly I'll show you this clip now and then I'll just jump up to finish this morning. Thank you. <laughs> 